Welcome to New Human Living Radio Show, bringing you powerful interviews to awaken the power in you. Learn more at newhumanliving.com. And now your host, Les Jensen. So, can you tell me where you're going? I mean, uh, like spiritually. Um, uh, many people identify as a spiritual seeker. I'm I'm here to find enlightenment or find the truth or whatever. And and certainly the show has been focusing on what that quote journey unquote might look like, and we've been doing it for hundreds and hundreds of episodes. But I mean, how far is it until? Uh, pick a pick an objective. Reach the promised land. Reach enlightenment. Find our bliss. Get stuck in nirvana. You know. Um, when does the journey end? I mean, how far do we have to go? I'm so excited for this show tonight. The topic tonight is how to make love and attraction last. And our guest tonight is Carolyn Hauser. We're going to bring her on in just a minute. But what I'm getting at with this uh, how far do we have to go thingy, I've shared uh, many times over the years uh, how I got cracked open by releasing an immense amount of energy out of my persona, out of my personal energy persona, this volcano of energy that caught me by surprise, and yet it totally changed my life like a bug hitting the windshield. It it um, so caught me off guard, and that was over 25 years ago, and I've been scrubbing my psyche ever since. And why I bring up this topic uh, as far as how far is the journey, that's a metaphorical reference to... How much junk in our trunk do we really have to clean out? I mean, <laughs> it, it, you know, if the subconscious would just become conscious, that would make it so much easier, wouldn't it? it uh, sometimes it feels like sprinkling flour on the kitchen floor to uh, see if you've been sleepwalking. What I like about tonight's topic is I think that our intimacy, that that deeper connection that we can have with our beloved can be an extremely powerful healing modality, extremely powerful. But oftentimes when we bump up against that, that, powerful healing opportunity, our ego can throw on the brakes, can get a headache, or and, and, and pretty much uh, put a stop to it. So tonight we're going to look at, we're going to look at that mechanism, and I think Carolyn's um, a wonderful guest for us tonight. Common knowledge and experience tells us that it is normal for couples to lose interest in each other after the years go by. While this is most couples' reality, there's actually another way available to us that makes it so we want to keep the honeymoon feelings, keep them lasting. Carolyn is a German-trained naturopathic doctor, humanistic psychotherapist, and family constellation facilitator. She's the author of award-winning book, Blossom, Seven Steps to Sexual Healing and Creatrix of of the Pleasure IQ and Blissful Marriage method, uh, Method. She is an internationally recognized speaker and teacher on the subject of spirituality, relationships, emotional healing, and bonding-based lovemaking. She combines her knowledge about energetic healing and conscious co-creation 
to help couples go from feeling frustrated, stuck, and disconnected in their intimacy to feeling deeply connected, excited, and fulfilled so they can feel whole and fully expressed in life and are able to create honeymoon feelings that last. Her work is based on the intersection of cutting-edge intimacy advice and practically applied quantum physics and biology and shows how each individual's authentic and true self is a source of one's own good, a place of unlimited abundance, creativity, courage, and joyful existence. Join me in welcoming Carolyn to the show. Welcome to the show, Carolyn. Hello, Hello. thanks for having me. Good. How about yourself? It's, I'm doing wonderful. I love this topic because um, I, there's something about intimacy that bumps us up against, what, all the junk in our trunk? <laughs> all yeah. the stuff we don't know we have in our psyche? I mean, so um, to start off, just to give the audience an idea of, of your interaction with your clients, um, explain a little bit of your practice and and how working with people has given you the insights that you have over the years. Yeah, I have to say, you know, some of it really is my personal story and just lots and lots of struggle with relationship, relationships starting out great and then just deteriorating and feeling like quicksand or feeling like they would just slip through my fingers and I didn't know why and just not accepting that that was so, that's part of it. And then discovering more and more things. And also um, my own story is that I was anorexic and bulimic for 10 years from age 10 till age 20 and no modality, no amount of therapy, no amount of praying, nothing helped until my mother introduced me to um, a modality, an energy work modality called Family Constellations. And uh, I received one session basically and, and within two or three months, the eating disorders just fell away. So that was really one of the biggest miracles in my life and put me on the path um, in my early 20s. And I, I devoted my 20s to studying this modality. And what this modality does is it, it it's a way of making visible the root cause to any issue, whether it's in your relationships, whether it's in your physical body, whether it's with money, doesn't matter. But by now, so I'm in my 40s now, so I've been doing this over 20 years and have had thousands and, you know, thousands of, of sessions with people. And that there is common, you know, as as humans, there's co- commonalities. The beautiful thing about this methodology or the, the energy work method is that as a facilitator, I actually get to step into people's energy. So I get to experience both sides. I get to experience what it feels like to be a man. I get to experience what it feels like to be a child. I get to experience what it feels like to be a woman. And so a lot of my insight has come from being allowed to re- represent or tap into so many different people's energies and just feel what it feels like, you know, to be to to be a man or a woman, you know, for example, because as a woman, I think normally um, – I don't necessarily understand or can feel what a man feels like. And, and because of my work, I've had the opportunity to actually feel literally what it feels like to be a, be a man, you know? So, um, and then the other, the other piece was, was because of my own struggle and me keeping looking and looking about five years ago, I came across a book called Cupid's Poison Arrow. That book was written by Marnia Robinson and Marnia has a very similar story to mine in terms of relationships where they would start out great and then they would just fall apart. And she also was somebody who didn't believe that, you know, that was just so. And she actually spent 16 years of her life researching why men and women don't seem to get along. And so when I found that book, um, it talked about how the the reason why we don't get along is by part of it is by, by biology and us having two different programs for lovemaking and it just clicked with me and ever since um, I've been implementing what she's been teaching. I've been teaching people this and I've, there's a growing number of, of, 
of people interested in this other way, actually, and, and making sense with people. And so that's why I'm here today to share about this. And I'm so glad that Les, you're providing the space and gathering the people. <laughs> well, very nice. Beautiful. Well, you know, when we think of uh, a messed up childhood, uh, it, it's we all raise our hand when we think about like domestic violence or alcoholism or or some of the um, kind of in your face sort of dysfunction in in households that we were raised in. But from my own perspective, damn, I mean, when I walk into a house and it feels like a funeral home because everything is exactly and i mean exactly in the right place that to me that seems like uh its own its own form of uh neurosis or whatever and and what i'm getting at here is when when a a couple comes together it can be easy to label the problem between the couple by what is um, like obvious alcoholism or whatever, but sometimes the stigmas are are hidden in um, and not so obvious. For example, um, perhaps a, a woman goes into multiple relationships and there's always a problem with the man, and and when they go to look at themselves. They can't see anything that's quote wrong unquote not to not to put everything in a good or bad column. How do how do we um, look at ourselves with like virgin eyes with with an unbiased ability in order to discover some of the stigmas that are not so obvious. Well, so in my paradigm, it's, it's, it, all of this is a little different because we're not necessarily dealing in with um, talk therapy and understanding things. We're really dealing with um, vibrational levels, energetic levels, and I'm sure you're familiar, and maybe your listeners are, and if not, I'm also just explaining a little bit uh, vibrational levels. David, Dr. David Hawkins did a lot of work on yeah. measuring vibration and, and the scale of consciousness, so... Um, 200 is courage. When we vibrate at 200, we're at courage. Anything above courage, we're a different person. Like when we vibrate at four, 500, we're kind, we're loving, we're open-hearted. When we vibrate below courage, below 200, we get more enclosed, we get more fearful, angry, and so forth. So the way that I approach couples work or any kind of work is really, and in my own life, like I, I wanted to find out what I had to do to get myself into a state of being where I mostly feel relaxed, happy, um, confident. Basically, you know, if I could measure myself, where I was living in the 500s. And um, the beautiful thing is this: this work that Marnia Robinson discovered, the bonding-based lovemaking, helps us as couples. It, it's a practice that we can engage in that has to do with harmonizing our hormones, harmonizing our nervous system. And when as human beings, our nervous system and our hormones are in balance, we feel really good. We're productive. We're, we're relaxed. We're joyous. We're open-hearted. We're, we're fun to be around. <laughs> we're creative. <laughs> um, we're basically in the flow and plugged in, right? And so, right. Um, so, yeah, so I have shied away from trying to, you know, keep digging and digging and digging and have kept working on ways and tools for myself and my clients how we can uplift ourselves so that we our perception of ourselves and the world stays in a stable and positive place if you will does that make sense oh yeah well now does that answer your question (laughs) well yeah yes it does and and that helps me uh form the questions from here on out too. Now we've we've talked about David Hawkins on the show quite a bit. The mm-hmm. um, do you use kinesiology in your own practice? I don't. I for some so, reason I can't. I mean I've I've tried it no. and I've played around with it, but I don't have an affinity for it. I no. Hey, I, muscle I, test me. I feel you. I totally do. Uh, <laughs> but. Um, 
Well, now, um, I love the idea of using the level of consciousness that uh, David Hawkins laid out, that logarithmic scale of, of consciousness. So in order to, to move up the scale, it's, it's a vibrational shift. And typically what happens with a vibrational shift is a release of an energy pattern or whatever um, that was vibrating at the lower number, the lower calibrated level of consciousness. Uh, yeah. And then, and once you release that, it frees you up to, because uh, inherently I think our source consciousness is at the top at a thousand on his scale. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and so it's, yeah. For me, it it seems like um, the the journey up that scale is a reintegration of ourselves. We're we're, with the idea that when we fragment ourselves, when we um, when we move down on the scale, we've we've postured, we've polarized, we've suppressed, Mm -hmm. and and so the the journey back home, so to speak, the journey back up to the top is to find those places where we've fragmented ourselves within our own psyche, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Does that does absolutely. that relate to your yeah, work? Absolutely. It very much relates to my work because in the family constellations, that's all we do. We really look at the parts of ourselves that we have either um, disowned, suppressed, or they, you know, through trauma got split off, basically, or sometimes we inherit, you know, split not personality disorders or anything like that, although they are an extreme form, but we all have parts of us that we don't, um, that we just don't, you know, consciously or subconsciously don't appreciate or they're not welcomed or that's just not how we do it in our family. So they have to do with ancestral ancestral patterns and they have to do with traumas that we've experienced and societal programming. And so the more we can free our, so family constellations is an amazing process to help, find these things and reintegrate all these parts so that we can really be the fullness of who we are. Absolutely. Well, let's, let's delve into that a little bit. Now I'm going to um, share, uh, I think a, a similar episode to what you're talking about with a family constellation. And, and you can let me know if, if that's in line with what, uh, the practice you have. I I was doing a inner child workshop. This is a long time ago. And uh, um, as part, everybody took turns building, a, a, I guess, a constellation of all the family members and their roles. And for, for myself, my, my father was a world war two vet. And I, um, and he, he went through a lot of very gruesome battles. And I know in the foxhole, um, his mortality and and praying to God that the insanity stop really got anchored in his psyche. And then fast forward to kids, when when he would talk about God, he would tear up so much. I mean, he made the the priests and the pastors and all those look like slackers <laughs> because because to him God was like the reason he was still alive, so to speak. And and I can't really understand how deep that went in his psyche. But us as children, we couldn't compete with that. There's no way in hell he'd ever feel that way about us. And and when it was my turn to do a consolation, I had my dad stand in the middle and look to the sky to God, totally ignoring the family around him. And then all my siblings gathered around trying to get his attention. And then when it was my turn to take my place in the consolation, I walked about 10 feet away and collapsed on the floor and started, started crying because it was such a um that there there's no way we could have ever got him to look down and acknowledge us so to speak is is that similar to the family constellation practice you have 
Yes, that's one part. It is, it is part of the process, but in the constellation, you actually go so far to then figure out what would have needed to happen for your dad actually to be able to step into his role as a father also and see you. So essentially, you know, what you just told us is like the the, the wounded picture, right? And in, in the constellation, what we as practitioners can facilitate is the way that if it was healthy, it's almost like going back in time and repairing it the way right. it would, you know, everybody would, it really should have been, you know, should, should whatever, yes. Um, yes. the way the healthy picture. And, and so it's it's almost like taking this unhealthy picture by constellating it, we can see it, figuring out what really needs to happen for everybody so that they can take their healthy place. And then by doing so, the healthy picture imprints in your subconscious and then moving forward, you know, for example, you probably, or I'm just speculating here, but if, you know, if you have not had a strong connection to your masculine, to your dad, most men or most women that have that that as a as a experience, they have a hard time um, feeling like knowing their direction, and also they might go into a pattern of stand, constantly trying to have to prove something, or you know, yeah. Right. So so if that can get healed in that instant, that pattern can fall away then, and and so it, the the power of the constellations is that you can literally um, in in an hour or so transform a pattern like like that you know like overachieving or overworking or you know for the wrong reason sure <laughs> you, know, you can correct yeah. it in essence yeah, yeah. well now yeah. um i love this so let let's bring this into um the 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 title of the show how to make love and attraction last how does how does uh, the healing modality of the family constellation change who we are when it comes to be intimate with our beloved? Yeah, so I have to give a little bit more of the back um, of of the background. How the bonding based lovemaking, first of all, what that is and how it plays together with the family constellations, just to nice. make sense to the listeners. And um, have have you talked on the show about attachment styles? Do you know what attachment styles are? Um, let's assume we haven't. It might have been a while ago. Okay. Yeah. So so basically when we were born as babies, we we really for for us to grow up and for our brains and our nervous system to develop optimally, the more secure we can be attached to one caregiver or a couple, the the more relaxed our nervous system is and the more uh, you know, the less fight or flight is going on and the better we can develop. So Ideally, we have one or two people that are constant caregivers and they are emotionally developed enough and also have the time and space and headspace and resources to be there and be present. That's the ideal. When we as baby have that experience, we develop what's called a secure attachment style. So people with a secure attachment style, they generally have it easier in life because they, they feel confident, they feel like they can do things, they have a good sense of themselves, they feel resourceful, they have a can-do attitude in a sense. And 50%, I think, of American adults, at least, have that as, an, as a predominant attachment style. There's two others, um, and they also depend on how we were taken care of. So if we had a primary caregiver, like our mom or our dad, who was sometimes present and sometimes not so present, for whatever reason, you know, whether there was another child or work or mental illness or what, you know, whatever it was, addiction, um, sometimes people were paying attention to us and to our needs and we would have ways to get our needs met and sometimes we did the same thing and there was no response. So it was very hard for us to figure out how to get our needs met and therefore we became very, um, like, observant or dependent on figuring the other person out, like, our focus went away from us, ourselves, and onto the other person to do anything that we can to please this person so that they please stay around and they please take care of our needs. And when we have that type of an attachment, it's an unhealthier attachment for ourselves because it creates a lot of anxiety and it's therefore also called the anxious attachment style. And so there's a third one that's called avoidant. The avoidant baby, the, the experience for the avoidant baby was that most of the time they did not get their needs met and for them it was safest to just rely on themselves. And the reason why I bring this up is because these three programs have a lot to do with the success of our 
of our relationships because the more secure we're able to bond and the, the more stronger we can form a bond with another person, the more stable and the better our love life is. Now, if 50% of us don't have that as an imprint, right, if 50% of us are either, like, anxious or avoidant, <laughs> that's a big number. And sure. work to do. The, be- the beautiful thing is, and, and they are deeply ingrained subconscious survival. They're survival programs, so they're very, very, um, they have a very strong hold on us, these survival programs. And I think sometimes in relationships when people, if the other person is behaving badly, those bad behaviors are actually what's called protest behaviors. These people are doing these things because in their subconscious, their survival is somehow threatened. You know, they feel like they're going to abandon them or, or you're coming too close. For, for somebody who has an avoidant detachment style, they want the closeness, but in their subconscious, because they never had it, as soon as somebody really gets close to them or as soon as they have the opportunity, all alarm bells ring, basically start ringing, and they keep sabotaging, and they don't know why. You know, it's like consciously they want nothing more, and then subconsciously they can't stand it. So <laughs> the beautiful thing, <laughs> to, to come full circle, the beautiful thing with the bonding-based lovemaking is that what Marnia discovered is that we have two programs for lovemaking, and they're also very deeply um, rooted subconscious programs because they have to do with sex and procreation. So there's one program that has to do with procreation and survival of the species. That's the one that we know. That's the way that we make love. We usually have sex. Um, and there's a whole bunch of biology and hormones that goes with that. And, and our nervous system goes into a certain um, gear, so to speak. And then there, this is this is what the key or the 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 solution in my mind and what, what Marnia found out is that we actually have another program that has to do with the bonding program that has to do with what we 50% of us didn't get as children. So the, the bonding, when we deeply bond as a mother or as a parent or nature put in us a, a system, a reward system that we get very pleasurable feelings when we deeply connect with another human being and nature put it there for our survival so that a mother would stay with the child and take care or a father would stay, stay with the child and take care. So we can use that in our adult life and, and basically make love in a way that includes certain bonding cues where it helps us create the stable bond and the harmony so that we can move out of um, – a lot of the conflict that people have in, in their relationships comes from these um, these attachment styles. And I just talked about them. I'm going to take a break. <laughs> take a little break. No, no, no. You're, you're, on, you're on a roll there. Um, yeah. So so these these uh, attachment styles and, and subconscious um, imprinting, decides I, I love how you say we really want the relationship but on the flip side of the coin we're scared to death i mean not, i don't you didn't say it quite that way i don't want to put words in your mouth um yeah so so as a listener and and perhaps a a couple that's listening together and that they want to jumpstart or energize their relationship um, based on what you're sharing with us what are some some tips or or, uh, that they can practice that that can reveal these um, underlying mechanisms yeah i think the first thing is to understand that there is two programs that the first one is connected to procreation and orgasm so as long as we stay in that paradigm, we, we will fall under the spell of that program. That program comes with us getting bored with each other. And nature does it in a way where we either get just bored and aren't feeling attracted or, or we get annoyed with each other. And it's, it is really based on a hormonal cocktail, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> nature wants us to move on and progress with as many people as possible. So it, it is really, unfortunately, based on, on biology. Now, most people, when I say this, they're like, what did you just say? You said, like, you mean, like, I can't have any more orgasms? And, like, how how does that work? How can you have sex without orgasms? 
Well, like I said, you know, we that we think that basically the 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 purpose of sex is to have an orgasm because that's sure was also very clever and um, created a a hormonal cocktail in our brain um, that creates um, an explosive high. Just and and this is science. I'm not making this up. I didn't do the science. Brain scientists did the science. They took brain scans of people having orgasms and people. Um, shooting heroin or snorting cocaine and it's the same intense um, event neurochemically speaking in our brain so essentially having an orgasm is the is the only free and natural way to get a high just like getting high on cocaine and and heroin no one in their mind would do that to their brain over and over and over right we just don't know this and because we equate orgasm with the high point of sex. And we think that that's the point of connection. It is actually not. When Once we have the orgasm within minutes, there is um, things that happen in our brain that, that make it so that our neurotransmitters drop and our dopamine drops and we start feeling super lousy, maybe not... Super lousy is maybe a strong word, but once you start right. paying attention to this, you can actually put two and two together because you might just think it's normal that you just feel, you know, tired or whatever. But we, it sets up a cycle that that goes for two weeks before we're actually back to just our normal biochemical mix where we feel somewhat normal. And most people don't don't notice this because we're so used to having coffee or some other stimulants that will override it. And also we don't put two and two together because we, we are taught to think that it's the orgasm that's amazing. It's the orgasm that is why we have sex. It's the, or, you know, the goal of like oh, great sex is when you have great orgasms. And right. I used to be one of those people, you know, I used to very much be like a, a proponent of that until I learned what it really does to our brain and then subsequently to our perception. And so, yes, um, it's not about avoiding orgasm. It's about learning a completely different way of lovemaking that triggers a completely different set of hormones that also gives you a high, but a much more subtle high. It's more like a spiritual experience. It's more like oneness and whole body just feeling so amazingly connected. Elect, it's more elect, um, compared maybe to elect, an electric flow that starts between both bodies, skin feeling super sensitive and amazing, kissing feeling like eating chocolate ice cream mountains and so so it's a it's it's not a one one time quick few seconds events it's a an energy that starts building and that keeps growing and growing and growing and basically um with the bonding based lovemaking it's a practice that you really stick to every day and so if you do stick to it every day it, it's a, a state of being that doesn't have to stop you know that just keeps being right so for you as a person feel re-energized and, and very deeply connected and bonded and happy. So it's a big difference. Nice. So yes, we give up the, the high for the, for the, of the orgasm, in my opinion, for something that's way, way better because when you're in this good feeling, deeply connected state, you're lighthearted. And, and with my partner and I, you know, the, the best way to experience this, and this is why I wanted to give people this information because you, you won't be able to go to the bonding-based lovemaking unless you understand the biochemistry behind it uh, and it makes sense because orgasm is such a strong, has such a strong programming so that, you know, unless you're really convinced that there's something better, it's really hard to resist. And I'm, I'm talking, you know, from experience. So the best thing is to get, get Marnia's book and read it and then get help transitioning, really. But what you can do in the meantime is start to do lots and lots of bonding behaviors which have to do with eye contact, breathing, skin-to-skin contact, giving each other. Um, part of what makes it work is really energy and the energy of giving to each other. So most of the time when we're adult people, insects, when we're touching, we're really touching to get something. We're touching to turn the other person on or um touching to, to give the other person pleasure because it turns us on or touching the other person because it turns, turns us on or it turns them on so we can have sex. So most of the time it's not a selfless act of giving. Let's just put it that, that way. Right. But in a bonding-based paradigm, the more you can become a selfless giver of your energy and your love through your touch, 
the more this energy starts circling and flowing. And um, that's something that you can, that anybody at home can practice. And so this, this, this practice of blending-based lovemaking is really for anybody who wants to experience being super productive, having no stress from um, coming from being at odds or being in dissonance with your partner, basically, you know, being in total harmony with your partner, and because of that, being fueled energetically um, on, a, on a daily basis and being able to do lots of things that other people can't do because they don't have the energy and the health and, the, um, yeah, just the, the stability to do it. Nice. Well, now, at, at, <clears throat> excuse me, at whatever level you're comfortable with, can you uh, share your experience with this and your partner over time? Mm-hmm. I mean, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, and obviously, you know, it's it's really different for each couple because it depends on how sexually active you are or not. Sometimes it's even better if you haven't been sexually active because your brain isn't so used to the dopamine. But so in our case, um, we were really able to to kind of stick to it in the beginning and and also in new relationships, it's kind of, kind of hard to tell because you have the newness and you have honeymoon feelings naturally. So our experience when we first met was that we were just ha- we had no problems communicating whatsoever. Like we were just understanding each other. We were on the same page. And so then after a few months, we're like, okay, you know, like we're like really doing good. And we kind of let our guard down a little bit and ended up having an orgasm. And within a day, we were yelling at each other. We couldn't, like, everything that he was saying was hurting me. I took everything personally. He got totally offended and totally distrusting of me. And it was such a difference between night and day, you know, like from one day to another. That it really helped us to, like, okay, you know, we want to be in love with each other. We want to feel good. We know that we can because we've just had, just had months and months and months of experience. But our, what we thought our norm is, and right. to see how quickly it went the other way, we're like, oh, my God. And so having those experiences really helps you to recommit to or commit to seeing how valuable this other path is. And um, so in my life, I'm very committed to it because anytime that we don't stick to the practice. So part of it is really sticking to a practice. And this is where um, I know you, you mentioned that you had talked about sacred union. So to me, um when people get married, they think they're creating a sacred union just by having that one day and giving each other the promise. And in my experience is that that does not work. A sacred union is a practice, is a daily practice. People just don't know what this practice entails. And to me, um, it seems like the bonding-based lovemaking is really the, the one of the foundational practices to keep um, a sacred union, first of all, to create it and form it and then to keep it going. And so anytime that we get, you know, we have travel or we prioritize other things and don't stick to our practice, things get wobbly, right? And so it is very much a commitment of like, it's almost like you're committed to having a healthy body and therefore you go to the gym five days a week. And if you don't do it, you know, you're losing muscles and you're gaining weight. Kind of the same thing. So it's, it's it's very virtual union into something really practical and livable. Um, yeah, that's what I want to share. Well, now, um, I'm just thinking about what our audience might come up with as far as an excuse. You know, well, that's all fine and dandy, but we've been married 22 years, blah, 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 and therefore Mm -hmm. none of this is possible or, you know, Mm -hmm. he's... um, can can you kind of dispel some of the stigmas that um, people kind of hold on to? Yeah, so a lot of people think also when they get older or when they have had kids that, you know, their hormones change and sex drive gets lower and libido goes lower. And all of that is true as long as you stay in the procreation-based program. Once you move over to bonding-based programming and do the bonding behaviors, it is actually what our body naturally craves. So a lot of women get disinterested in sex because it feels like the guys are just taking from them. Right. And I know that that's not the that is not the guy's intention. Guys just don't know another way of connecting, and we all are in total different way of connecting. So in most cases, when people come to me, and I have I have couples that have been together like 40, 50 years, 
and it's been a long time since they've been intimate, but they they know that something is missing, you know. Uh, sure. And it takes courage to go there, but because it's based on biology, you don't have to go to therapy. You don't have. It's not about like figuring out and blaming and doing all this emotional work and all of that. It's literally just doing these practices that signal your brain to turn on the oxytocin. And when that happens, people that have had, um, you know, like dry vaginas, um, erectile dysfunction, physical things where they thought that, you know, they just couldn't have sex anymore, all of those things are gone in their bodies no matter how old they are. You know, the, they start being super functional. Let's put it that way. You know, sure. Without me being more graphic. <laughs> no, that's fine. And and you know and the and 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 for women, oftentimes when I first talk to them, they're like, "What's your what lovemaking every day? Are you crazy? Like, no way!" And then a month in or two months into, you're like, "Oh my god, I can't get enough of this." You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so well, there's it's totally possible. But it well, just does take some courage, and it does take it. It gives it takes giving it a chance. And yeah. there's a, a you spoke to this somewhat. There's a rejuvenation. I mean, there's there's mm-hmm. energy that shows up that exactly. wasn't there before. And when it mm-hmm. when it when you when you um, connect and. Uh, um, both both sides are authentic and and harmonious. It it's absolutely a place that you can metaphorically park the camper and you know I mean it. I, what I really liked about having the show is I don't know how many times I see um, older couples that that just kind of resigned themselves to life the way it's been the last 20 years. And, and there's mm-hmm. just no, no inclination that there, there might be something out there to put some, some zing in their step and a sparkle in their eye. And, uh, you know, and, and so this, this conversation and you sharing your experiences with your clients, um, that's what people need to to hear, I think, to mm-hmm. to give to go at it again. So yeah, and I want it, I, I go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. It, I just wanted you, to say, you know, a lot of times the 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 autoimmune diseases or the you know the erectile dysfunction or the 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 things that like the diagnoses that we have gotten they actually have to do with us having done sex wrong our entire life, you know, and not this other way. Because I believe we were really just meant to have orgasms when we wanted to make babies, and the rest of the time we were supposed to practice this other way of deeply connecting. And our bodies are not made to constantly have orgasms. It's not good for us. It's not good for the immune system. It it burns out the adrenals, you know. And so I believe um, that a lot of the, the hormonal issues that we're seeing is caused by the way that we have sex. And then, it's, and then of course, people stop, and it's actually better for them, in a sense, you know, because in, instinctively they're kind of knowing that they're doing something that's not good for them. And uh, does that makes sense. Yeah, it does. But the, um, the, the perhaps the traditional way of looking at things as as um, the sex organs being the the stars of the play so to mm-hmm. speak mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The, it, to me um, the whole body has an opportunity to participate in intimacy and mm-hmm. when you break when you break out of that uh, the the pattern of just going for the touchdown every time um, and and in my experience, I I think there's a heart space that happens, and what I mean mm-hmm. by heart space is like way before the intimacy, way before you close the door and and get in bed, so to speak, um, to hold each other in that heart space. Um, when we feel the heart space of our beloved all throughout the day, there's I think there's a, a um, 
a, a letting down or a, a relaxation, so to speak, um, when when we connect with our hearts all throughout the day, whereas sometimes when we go to be intimate and then we bring in our hearts and and um, when it's kind of um, connected to the the, the sexual act, uh, it can be confusing to the ego. But if there's a heart space all day long, just from my experience, when I think of of uh, the 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 subtle the subtleties that that makes a difference when it comes to being intimate with our beloved, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And the the bonding with lovemaking actually, we we still have intercourse, and the well the what Marnia teaches is that when when we connect in that way, um, the the penis becomes a plus pole. Vagina is a minus pole. The woman's heart is a plus pole, and the man's heart is a minus pole. So it creates a circuit, and it makes it so that our energy starts circulating. If we just have an, like we have regular sex, the energy just goes between the two lower poles. They never create a circle. They never fill us. They never create um, they never create something that's perpetual. They just basically create a short circuit between the plus and the minus pole on the bottom, and it just kind of like spells out in a sense. So. Um, so there is, you know, there is real electricity and some ele- wiring that goes with it. And you're completely right. With the, the bonding-based lovemaking has a lot to do with learning to circulate the energy and, and, and move it through your heart and connect through your heart. And that's what makes it so pleasurable, not just physically pleasurable, just pleasurable on a soul, on an emotional, on an energetic, and a physical level. Nice. Well, now, yeah. um, if if... I'm listening to the show and I want to <laughs> uh, I want to bring this in into effect. What are some takeaways? What are some uh starting steps that that our audience can do on their own accord based on what yeah. we've talked about? Yeah, so just, you know, like learn about this. You can they can go to my website. I have a free training on there about the five shifts that people in my opinion, need to make to get out of the roommate zone and get back into attraction and flow. I have a YouTube channel with lots and lots of videos on this on there. It's also free. Um, get Marnia's book. Those those are you know educa- I would say step one is education, <laughs> and well, then you know start using some of the bonding behaviors. Now this book you you uh, that we should get. Uh, can you share the title and author again? It's called Cupid's Poisoned Arrow. It's on Amazon. And the author, her name is Marnia Robinson. There's some very good interviews of hers on YouTube as well. Um, she doesn't really teach it. She wrote the book, Thank You, Thank You, Thank You. And um, I think I'm one of, I'm, I'm the only person I know that is really teaching or helping people transition into the bonding ways, lovemaking, and and teaching it in a sense, you know, other than, because one thing is to read a book and then another thing is to actually be able to do it, you know? Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, and indeed. Well, um, do you have some uh, impersonal examples of, of what your clients have experienced with their own lovemaking? Yeah. yeah. So a very typical scenario is, people that either are too busy because they have kids or careers or both and or parents to take care of and they've been together for a while and they just don't seem to find the time and also one or both of them just have no interest anymore and um, in those types of scenarios in a very short amount of time their brain starts liking the, the spending time together and liking the bonding-based lovemaking and their brain starts finding ways to make the time and make being together um, a priority. So I have, I have, for example, I have one couple, they have five kids and the oldest kid is 11, I think, and the youngest is four. And when they first came, you know, there was, they had sex once a week, maybe for half an hour, which is not bad, you know, but they still had sex, but they have transitioned into a place where have their own schedule and second of all they are now connecting at least like a half an hour in the mornings a half an hour in the evenings and 
for at least like a two, three hour stretch once, once a week. And they have managed to somehow figure out how to do it. And she was somebody who was like, I don't like to be touched. I can't imagine this. And he was like, well, I'm not getting my needs met. We need to do something here, you know, like, that's one scenario. Another couple that I have, they're in their early seventies and it's just really them now in their lives. And they, they're like, okay, we still have 10, 20, 30 years together. And we don't just want to hold hands, like, you know, like they're, you know, we want to bring it back, and um, and it's totally possible. And then the third scenario is people that are on a roller coaster. So people that are still sexually active, um, or people that are sexually active often have the the turmoil, the big explosions, and things like that. And so when they can transition into the bonding with lovemaking, it just brings, it, it stops all the arguing, all the triggering. It makes it so that they get on the same page. And people that were thinking that they were completely different and just not a match for each other, you know, like there's people in my, my clients that truly love each other, but they just feel like they can't be together. Start doing this, they actually can be together, you know. So, yeah. Well, ver- well, very nice. Now, share with us your website. Now, and also, um, when you work with people, is it always in person? Is it over the internet? Um, if I want to be a, if I'm listening to this and I want to be a client of yours, show me what that looks like and and how to connect with you. Yeah, there's two ways. You can either come to Sedona and do our retreat where we we host you, we feed you, um, we do the energy work on you, and we teach you this in person. And when I say we, it's me and my partner. That's one way. And then the other way is we have a year-long program um, where my partner and I teach this and we do the energy work. And um, you, it's, it's a, it has a group component with a community of people that practice this so that we, they, people can learn from each other. We can all learn from each other. Um, it's that this is that's all on my website. Uh, my website is carolynhauser.com. C a r o l i n, no e, h a u s e r dot com, and under work with me is a description of the the one year program and uh, for the retreats we cu- we custom create them. So if anybody's interested in coming to Sedona, just find me on Facebook under my name and message me and or go to my website and contact me and. Um, custom created based on what your guys' needs are but generally they're a week long and um, with three months of one-on-one follow-up over the over zoom or phone when you get home type of thing nice yeah well an hour can go by pretty fast do you have any closing yes. thoughts for our audience yes in my own life, the the most important skill that I've been able to learn was, or the the best, the important, most important realization was that I don't have power over other per- people. I don't have power over other circumstances, but I do have power over my own state of being. And so the more you can make your own, the, the management or the the care of your own state of being a priority, the better your life will get. My life went from, went from, you know, being bankrupt and going through divorce and being very, very sick to being super healthy, being in an amazing relationship, making lots of money, doing my purpose, basically, uh, you know, 180 degree, all areas because of, of learning to take care of my own vibrational state and learning ways of keeping myself there. So make make learning what what keeps you in a good space your priority and and you'll you'll you can exceed your wildest dreams in life well very nice carolyn thank you for being our guest tonight i've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation thank you so much for having me we've been talking to carolyn hauser and the topic tonight has been how to make love and attraction last you know, you're, um, one of my favorite quotes is, my age is none of my business. My age is none of my business. And what I mean by that is our soul 
it, I think it's impossible for our ego to comprehend the vastness of our soul. I think it's impossible for our ego to comprehend what our soul can feed us as far as inspiration, vision, and um, it, to to teach your ego how to allow the inspiration of your your heart and your soul to to land to take up space so to speak in your life it's the and i say this from experience when i when i first went to write a book my ego argued with my heart and my soul i you know, write a book less. Uh, no way. Who wants to hear what I have to say? Write a book less. No, no, no. Six years of arguing. And uh, I wrote a book. I ended up not publishing it. And I started a second book. And in six months, my second book was done. Because I learned that my ego would really enjoy life more. My ego would have a better time in my life. My ego would would feel much more satisfied and fulfilled in my life if I didn't argue so much, if I didn't um, want to live in my headspace. So, so often, it's so common that we spend 100% of our thoughts in our head all day long. And we we have this gigantic strategy um, persona in us. And, and we're doing this and we're doing that and we're doing this and we're doing that. And we get up the next day and we do this and we do that. And there can be a real sense of normalcy to this. Uh, how normal does your life feel? I mean, I, I know 2020 said so much of it on its head but the the when we stay in our mind we get anchored in these patterns our ego loves patterns our ego loves to know what the outcome will be our ego loves to create a life that it feels it has a sense of control over and that's blasphemy. That's literally blasphemy to our potential because our soul is this gigantic nonlinear, nonlinear vastness of ourselves. It, our soul doesn't need patterns. Our soul doesn't need a, a safety net, so to speak. Our soul knows the truth of us. But there's no value to that if if we live in our ego. There's no value to the power of our soul if we stay in our head all day. Life is, I mean, I'm my birthday's next week and I'm coming up on 62 and I feel like I'm I'm very totally sincere about this next statement. I'm just getting started. I'm I am just getting started um, growing, and I see this as an eternal process. My age is now my business, growing my ego's relationship with my soul. I get new downloads like I'm a teenager. My soul is telling me to do stuff that I don't see mirrored in anybody else in my age group around me. People in my age group around me are, are are parking the car in the garage and and going inside and retiring. I mean, they're they're collapsing what is really an infinite field of possibilities, and they're parking it in this this cultural narrative that says, um, when you retire, that you know. Um, you're hanging it up, so to speak, metaphorically. It doesn't mean everybody does that. Some people travel the world when they tire, retire. Some people take up new new things. I'm not. I don't want to stereotype all of humanity, but I'm just saying. Um, 
it's inherent. It's inherent to consciousness itself, to nature itself, to eternally create, create a new, create uh, something completely new, and that that brings a sense of vibrancy, a sense of fulfillment and satisfaction to the ego that the ego can't create on its own. Time does fly when you're having fun. I'm your host, Les Jensen. Always a pleasure. Until next time, thanks for listening. This has been a New Human Living Radio broadcast. To bring your soul's inspiration into effect and live your life wide open. Check out our host, Les Jensen's book, Citizen King, The New Age of Power, at newhumanliving.com. Thanks for listening. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.